Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians to become world-changing disciple makers. I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing, and you're listening to the CDM Podcast. I know it's been a while, but we're super excited to be here today with a friend of ours that we met at the New Wineskins Conference uh, at the end of last year. Her name is Darlene Collum, and we wanted her to come on board because she's just recently begun applying disciple-making movement principles within her life, and she's approaching the whole idea of being a member of the Anglican Church and uh, and seeing how these principles apply within her life there and then affecting the world outside of the church and how all of that blends together. We thought that would be a really neat perspective to have on the show and to talk about today. So Darlene, welcome. We're excited to have you here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the events that led up to new wineskins, your experience there, and then right afterwards. And then also a little bit of who you are. Okay, I can do that. Uh, my name is Darlene Collum. I am a deacon in the Anglican Church. I live in Blairsville, Georgia, and our church is in Hiawassee, Georgia, which is in the North Georgia Mountains. Um, I had heard about the new Wineskins Missionary Conference four years ago or so when I was taking a class and missions at Trinity School for Ministry and was told I really need to go. Well, then my one of my daughters is married to an Anglican priest and they're missionaries and they were going with my grandchildren. So it was like, oh, I can go to New Wineskins and see my kids and my grandbabies. <laughs> and my church was generous enough to send me. So I knew God had me going to New Wineskins also. It wasn't just about my kids. Um our church where we are, where I live in Blairsville, I've really felt God's called me to plant a church here. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know what that looked like. And I've been praying, God, what does that look like? I don't under I don't understand. So I go to New Wineskins and love, love seeing my kids. But then um David Watson got up and started talking about contagious disciple making. And I was flattened. It'll make me cry. It's like, oh. God, this is it. This is why I'm here. This is it. It was, I'm so tired of doing the the same thing over and over and getting the same results. Isn't that the definition of insanity? (laughs) Um, I I love going to church. I love meeting people, Mm. but I invite people to church and sometimes they come, but not often. I mean, how many of us have that same experience? People don't come to church and I'm a good Christian. And, you know, I'm going to invite people we're supposed to, and they Mm. don't come or our churches grow with transfer growth. That's not new people coming to the Lord. That's not the book of acts coming alive. Mm. And it's like something's not quite right. And so I go and I hear about contagious disciple making about making the book of acts come alive about walking in obedience to Jesus, about listening to what he says and actually doing it no matter the cost. Mm. And it's like, this is it. This is it. And, and, and I've never been, my, my life will never be the same again. And I brought it back to our church. Mm. And so do you want me to tell you about that? Or you yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, go dude, ahead. Go, ahead. go ahead. So I brought it back to the church. And so the background I'm from women don't preach well in the Anglican church as a deacon, um, 
I am sometimes asked to stand up and, and, and give the Sunday sermon lesson, whatever you want to call it, which was difficult for me at first till, till God basically said, I put you there, do it. And I said, yes, sir. So <laughs> it, it was an opportunity to, to talk about being obedient, to talk about what God's called us to do. In fact, it was, I, um, I just recently did, we had world mission Sunday and I was able to talk about, you know, I think, I think you, Paul had said that it's we're missions now is everyone everywhere telling, giving the gospel to everybody. It's not something mm. special anymore, which is what we were supposed to do all along. Yes. But, so I came back and I invited people if they wanted to see how they could be disciples, making disciples meet with me. We had 18 people show up and there was a lot of excitement. We went, I went over and I didn't, I had the book. That was it. But God shown me, I don't have to, if I sat and tried to learn everything to figure out how to do it, I'll never do anything. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I'm being a two-year-old and it's like God said, so I said, okay, yes, sir. And he put one foot in front of the other and God shows up. So I just started and we are down now to, there are four of us faithfully that mm. meet every week. Um, a group of the people that were there in the first 18, we're in an area that have snowbirds. So a lot of people go back to Florida in mm. the winter or in the summer, they maybe go to New York. And so we have people in and out that are also interested. Some of them now being Anglican, we're also an older church. And some of them are like, this just isn't for me. I can't do this. Mm. And mm. really what it is, is what we're already doing. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's nothing new. I go to the grocery store. I go out to eat. I talk to people. We all talk to people. It's doing that, but doing it with a thought of, is God working in their life? Mm -hmm. and, and making more of an effort to meet them. So even the people that said, you know, this just isn't for me are now coming back to me almost every Sunday and saying, you know, I've been doing that. And when I go to the restaurant, I've been talking to this one girl and she's let me pray for her now and we're talking. Mm. So it's made everyone more aware of the, of the people in their lives that God's put there that are going to die and go to hell if we mm. don't do what God told us to do. So it's been incredible. Well, you know, uh, Darlena, this is this is so great, and I love your your willingness to just get out there and and um, be obedient. Uh, now, I, I hear that. So, you did read the book. You also had a, another person, a part of your DMC, that listened to some of our podcasts. Was was that was that the case? Yes, yes. Uh, Ned has been listening to. I can't remember. It's like one or two hundred of them that he's listened to. And <laughs> So I asked him because I've, I've actually read the book three times. I think he's read it once or twice and I've listened to a bunch of the podcasts too, but I don't have all the answers. So I came back from new wineskins and he somehow had heard about y'all. And, and he said the same thing. He goes, I can't just sit here and not be obedient. Mm. He goes, I, and we've all agreed that we would rather sit here and read books or knit or go hiking by ourselves. You know? <laughs> with no one else around us. But that's not obedience. That's not what God called us to do. That's not who 
Jesus died for us so we can let him use us to bring that freedom to other people. So yes, he has listened to a bunch. So I've asked him, like, if I can't be there, he'll run our, 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 I call it a disciple making community. I'm not sure we really qualify by y'all's definition, but but it's been amazing. So yes, he has, and he and his wife are such an encouragement to me. There's another lady that is, um, we're all just do we, we live our lives, uh, that Ned and his wife, they are going to dinner parties in their neighborhood. Now they're inviting those people into their homes. They've even gone on vacation with some of these people. And these are not people that know the Lord and Mm. they've gone hiking and we have the Appalachian trail that runs through here and they hike portions of it all the time. That's their thing in mountain biking. And and God's brought people into their lives within their hobbies, um, within their neighborhood. And and so now they're not just, oh, hi, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. Oh, that's good. See you next week. They're looking to make those conversations. They're praying. We're praying together that God would deepen these conversations from, from meaningful, for casual to meaningful to spiritual. And there's flickers of discovery coming in where people are, are maybe wanting to discover Jesus Mm. and the other lady, she and her son are looking to serve their neighbors and her son is helping them neighbors cut wood and stack wood. Mm -hmm. And, and so they're, they're, you know, doing things with people. I met a lady, I'm driving her in the morning to get surgery on her foot. And, and she's like, I can't believe God brought you into my life. And she's, I think she's a Christian. I'm not sure, but it's it's so far in her past that it's not been a part of her life probably for 30 or 40 years, mm-hmm. not, not really walking it. And she and her husband and other couples that we've met in parties are, and, and they, I'm not, I mean, just dinner, par, dinner, going to ha- someone's house for dinner if they invite yeah. us. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, so God's opening doors in our normal everyday life. Well, it's it's amazing. It's amazing that when you do that, Darlene, when your heart, when, when our hearts are hearts of obedience saying, I want to lean in and do this. And they, and you look intentionally, how many doors that, that God opens up and around us as we just sit down and do this. Now, now Darlene, I remember one of the, the first times that you know, you and Paul talked and and you were also sharing in, in some of our prayer meetings, you said something to the effect of how, you know, huh, my life was was a lot easier before I, I got a hold of you guys and now I'm busy and, and, <laughs> and you know, now I'm doing all this stuff because, you know, we do kind of suggest that you, uh, you know, engage so many times per week and then pray and then do different things and stuff. And you're like, my schedule has just changed. You want to you want to comment on that? Yes, actually, yes. I uh, it was much easier before this. You know, it's much <laughs> easier to walk in disobedience and laziness no. on one hand, but on the other hand, it's disobedience. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna have hit me. I'm gonna have to stand in front of God one day and answer to that. And and so, yeah, if you pray and ask God to bring people into your life that don't know Him or that have walked away from him that he is working on, buckle up. If you're sincere, he's going to bring them. 
and he's going to bring them immediately. Boom, boom, boom. He's just going to bring them. And so, so yes, it is. Uh, it's so much busier. So I have to, I have to put my time on a calendar. Now I have to pay attention. I have to deliberately, you know, lay out my week intentionally and to make sure I keep everything in balance, like with my husband and in my home, keeping that up. But he's been pulled in and is involved to me. We're going to these parties together. He's seeing God working. Um, so yes, it is. I'm having to deliberately, I, I like to fly by the seat of my pants and I can no longer fly by the seat of my pants. I have to schedule, <laughs> I have to schedule flying by the seat of my pants or it isn't going to happen anymore. So, yeah. We call know, that was, the hour of power to be able to put, sit there and plan out your week and everything. You're right. That, that makes you re to look at life and go at life in a different way where it's a lot more planned. Yes. I think that something that came out of, out of one of, out of your conversation just now is two very important principles is first of all, you had to become aware. And if anything, new wineskins and what you heard there, and then what you began to experience in reading the books and listening to the podcast was they made you aware, you and the people who were walking with you aware of the opportunities God was already putting in your path on a daily basis. And then the second thing is, is that that awareness led and obedience led to intentionality, that it wasn't enough just to be aware of opportunities, but you had to be intentional about engaging and leaning into the conversations. And then as relationships progressed of setting time aside to be able to allow those relationships to move on and go even deeper, which then created more opportunities for you to have uh, those conversations that would result in opportunities for discovery. So. Absolutely. It's been um, for me personally, the, the beginning parts easy, you, you know, your God brings the people, you get to know them, you meet them, but to intentionally continue to engage them, trying to check in weekly on those that, you know, God's really brought in that he's working on to, to set aside time to deliberately do that. Uh, Ned and Joy and, and Pam, they they all are running. They, they have something that they on their calendars, they have, you know, reminders to check mm-hmm. back in with somebody. And, and I'm doing that now because, again, we're a group. We're a community. We, we challenge each other to mm-hmm. obedience. And when we meet together, it's like, so how did you do? Did you did you meet with so and so last week? Did you talk to them? Did you do what you said you were going to do? Did you go out to lunch? And how did that go? And it's like, oh, I forgot. And mm. and and they've challenged me to be more intentional, to be more faithful, to get that on my calendar, to follow through. And so the the beauty of that group too. I'm kind of going sideways, I guess, but the beauty of that group coming together, we're reading the Bible together in a different way. We're not reading it to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat until we get fat. We're we're reading it to, okay, Jesus, what are you what are you saying here? What do you want us to do from what we just read right here, right now? This week, he has me picking up garbage outside my community. One of the things when I was reading Genesis was taking better care of his creation. And I thought, no, you're not really telling me that, Lord. Well, he was. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> so, and he's really insistent when he tells you something. And when you're not obedient, life just isn't very pleasant until suddenly if you're obedient, it's like, oh, the sun came back out. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but we challenge each other on this. It's interesting that you said that about obedience. Uh, I was uh, in church. I attend a local church. It's a conservative Baptist church here about six minutes from my house called Village Church. And my pastor was preaching on Romans chapter one. And he said, you know, that the 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 judgment of God is allowing us to continue in our disobedience. Mm. And, and the gospel message is that he intervened not only to pull us out of disobedience, but also to demonstrate through Christ how to walk a perfectly submitted and obedient life. And the gospel message is that God comes to us in those moments of, dis of disobedience and brings us out. And it was very interesting listening to what you're saying is that, that you can tell that God is pursuing you in that when we walk in that, we walk in that period of disobedience, it's not fun. And then when we turn around and we walk in obedience, it doesn't mean life is less busy uh, or even less difficult, but it does mean you're walking with the Lord and it becomes, it, it has the meaning and the purpose and the joy that everyone longs for life to have that it cannot have separated from God. And I just think that that's a phenomenal thing that you're demonstrating and walking out about that communion with God and how he's pulling you further and further down that path of obedience and submission. It's wonderful. I mean, it, my argument in this, I, 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 I explained it away like, well, that's a really busy road and it's a busy road. It's not safe. It's not safe for me to be out there. Mm. And God's like, excuse me, I told you to go out there. Do you not think I'm able to take care of you? Mm -hmm. and, um, and I mean, so I would come up with just all these excuses that were good excuses from a world's point of view, but they were pitifully poor to God. And so, yeah, just, just giving up on the excuses and doing. Well, you know, you had said uh, kind of a throwaway comment earlier. It's like, I don't know if you call this a, a DMC by your definition. Well, <laughs> a, a disciple making community <laughs> reads the Bible with the intention to obey and to share with others. They practice the prayer calendar. They practice, you know, being intentional with developing relationships with unbelievers having conversations that go deeper from casual, meaningful to spiritual and, st and into where they can get into discovery and invite other people. So, and they hold each other accountable and they uphold each other and they do it. So it sounds like you're exactly what we would call a, a disciple-making community. And I believe that you guys have heard enough of our podcast that you kind of know a little bit about some of the tools. So it, it what's really awesome is seeing this in play within your um, brothers and sisters in the Anglican community and um, that it's something that is life-giving, that is, you know, producing fruit in in relationships with the lost that are getting deeper and greater obedience and, and stuff like that in there. And then I think that's something that is very encouraging to other people that may sit there and, and wonder, you know, are people going to be willing to go out there and engage lost people and to talk to them about God or to, to pursue relationship with them? You know, would they, you know, they might say, I don't think they're ready for that. And I think what you're doing is showing that, that at least some people are. Absolutely. And even the ones that have said they're not ready 
when I when we were able to explain the concept of this, that you're not doing anything different. You're not you're not going and knocking on doors and handing out tracks, which I've done. Mm-hmm. I have done. I've done a lot of that. I've led a lot of people to the Lord in my life. And then I left them. There mm-hmm. was no, you know, but anyway, that that's that's really uncomfortable. We're not asking people to do that. We're asking them to go grocery shopping like you always do. And that teller that you see every week, engage them a little bit more. Or mm. your next door neighbor that you just wave at when you go by to stop your car and say, hey, how you doing today? And, mm. and, and it's normal life. And so even the ones that have said, you know, no, I just can't, I can't, I can't do this. And they're not willing, you know, they didn't want to commit to getting together weekly and 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 keeping each other accountable. Those are the ones that are coming back to me now. And I'm talking older. I'm talking 70s and 80 year olds. Mm, These are the ones I'm talking about. Those are the ones coming back to me and saying, wow, I've been doing this. I talked to my neighbor. I invited them over for dinner. (laughs) Talking and I prayed with them. And another one, you know, a conversation had come up at she had been talking to a a girl at, at McDonald's. The, every mm. Sunday she'd go through after church and the girl's like, oh, I can see you just came out of church. And, and she started deliberately engaging her more to the point. Now that girl refuses to work on Sunday so she can go to church. And it's mm. because this lady got out of her and she is 80 something, got mm. out of her comfort zone and just engaged her every week. And so even the ones that are saying, no, I can't do that. If they hear about it, it's God. It's the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. It, it's not me trying to convince them. It's me saying, here's what I have found in the word. Here's what I think Jesus is telling us. And then just going, all right, go. And then God shows up and they start doing it. And and that's an interesting thing too. When we start, it, it's something else to notice about when we start to lean out in obedience for movement that the uh, the trend toward entropy of relationships starts to reverse. I mean, I know a lot of older people, men and women, who uh, as they get older, they start to withdraw. I mean, it's very normal. They're losing friends. Families moving on. Rhythms are changing. They've moved in out of their neighborhood, particularly maybe into a retirement facilities. There's just a lot of things like that that have happened. And yet the very thing that they need so desperately to live a, a healthy end of life is, is connection with people, touching, conversations, meaningful relationships, and that this process of stepping out and making disciples is the very thing that makes those latter years of life, the latter two, three decades of life, become much more meaningful, much more impactful, much more exciting uh, worth living, feeling like you have a purpose instead of just waiting. I, I'm a fan of Star Trek. And I don't know if I've shared this with you, Darlene, but I'm a fan of Star Trek. And I love the new show Picard because it dr- addresses a lot of issues uh, associated with getting older. And there's a there's a scene in the very first Picard show where he opens his doors and he's looking out on this beautiful vineyard that his family owns. I mean, he's been so successful in life and everything else. And he just makes his pronouncement. He says, I've not been retired. I've been waiting to die. Mm. And that to me was just this moment of the Lord going, 
There are so many out there, even younger people in their in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, who really aren't living life. They're just waiting to die. And I think that what disciple making movement principles does is it because we're now it's it's getting us to engage in community and build relationships and then step forward into obedience, that connectedness, that joy, that purpose, that fulfillment is starting to be seeded back in. And everyone I've seen do it from young to old, they start to feel that their life now has more purpose. They now have something they're living for rather than just merely existing. It is a huge. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, darling. Go ahead. It it is a huge, um, it is, it's so fulfilling y'all. The first, um, I'm doing that class with y'all. What do you call the class I'm doing with you? Uh, CDM university. Okay. (laughs) So the very first class we did, y'all talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom Mm -hmm. of God, kingdom of heaven. And, um, you asked us, one of the things was we had to tell what the characteristics of a kingdom were. I don't remember what the rules of a kingdom, what the characteristics. Mm -hmm. And so I've grown up in the church. I was born in the nursery. Honestly, the kingdom, the words, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven were kind of just words. Mm -hmm. They weren't, they didn't have the meaning behind them. I knew, I know when I die, I'll go to heaven. Heaven will be here on earth. I know that in the future, but but Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes. And, and in Matthew, y'all, we looked at the parables, the pearl of great price and the, um, the sower and the, the lost coins, the, 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 the lost son, the prodigal mm-hmm. son. And I don't, I don't know. It never clicked with me. The kingdom is now. Yes. Kingdom is now. The kingdom is also coming. But but what does that mean? Well, the kingdom has a king and and there's rules in the kingdom. And and for me, you know, the the girl that wanted to wear the twirly dress and wear the tiara and be a princess. (laughs) um, I I always wanted to be a princess in a kingdom and have a castle. And my dad be that wonderful, loving, good king that, you know, that's every little girl's dream. Well, I actually am. Mm. I am a princess. I live in a kingdom. My father is the king. And it became real. It it became real when we did that class. And I am reading through Matthew again with looking at the, the first seven, eight chapters. You know, what are the rules of the kingdom? How do I have to live in this kingdom? And I'm going somewhere with this. Um, but the, to live into that, into yes. the kingdom, and to walk in obedience, realizing who I am. I'm the daughter of the king. I'm a fighting daughter of the king. I'm a daughter of the king that wears armor and carries a sword. Mm-hmm. And I have people around me that aren't in that kingdom yet that I get to invite into the kingdom and all that that entails. And I've been given tools to do it. And I'm just living my normal life, but I'm living my normal life with an acute awareness of who I am now. I'm a Mm. daughter of the king living in the kingdom now. And there's more people he wants in this kingdom, in this beautiful place. And so to walk in obedience to that, to be in a daughter of the kingdom, a daughter of the king, and to be able to show other people that 
my life has never felt so full mm. to, and, and I'm still living pretty much my normal. Life. I am a little busier, but I haven't worked <laughs> in years. I have not, I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't worked in years. And so now I'm a deacon in the church. So I have a, I have ministries that I do within the church. So that's been more busy, but to live my life deliberately is bringing more into my, more people are coming into my life, but I'm living in obedience. And I never knew, I never considered my life empty. I've had a wonderful life. I have an amazing husband, children, grandchildren, friends. I never knew that there was an empty hole in me because I wasn't obedient. Mm -hmm. And now it's full and there's life and it's joy, even when I'm tired. And, but I can look and go, wow, God, you just brought that person in my life. They're asking questions about you and, and a normal day, a normal day buying vegetables. Well, you know what I really like about what you're saying is just how the, the, I, the, now the concept of the Jesus of the kingdom is now, in fact, that's the good news that he was preaching, you know, as he went out. And that's something we talk about in our first uh, lesson, you know, that this is more that, that it is a spiritual and mental reality that we have as we go about our day, but it's meant to be expressed in and among our lives in the physical, that it's meant to be, you know, instead of, you know, abortion, we see people, you know, being, uh, you know, babies being saved and people coming it to where they know him and have healthy families you know, instead of people that are in extreme need, you know, we're, we're meeting each other's needs and we're, you know, helping each other in that. In other words, what is his, his will done on earth as it is in heaven, you know? And so, so having that expressed, his kingdom expressed here and now is like, I, I remember you saying it's, it's not complicated. It's so simple. You know, it's not just theological, it's practical, you know, even for the things that we have now. And, you know, this reminds me even what you were saying earlier when I was just talking with you, Darlene, that, you know, a lot of people were, were you said you were talking to people and they thought this was more like a program that they needed to do. And in your, but you're saying that you're discovering this is not a program. Yeah, it's, it's not. And people, we came out of new wineskins and there were people like, it's just a method. It's just another, it's too scripted were mm -hmm. some of the words. I haven't found that at all. We have four questions we ask after we read the Bible and there's a billion different answers. That is not scripted. I mean, <laughs> there, there's a, a billion different reactions. I am different from each one of you. I am different from each person in our disciple making community. We are all, we have different personalities. So the people God brings into our lives are different personalities. So each person is different. But I mean, if you want to say it's scripted, then the Bible's scripted. Yeah. Jesus was scripted. It gets called the scriptures, but you know. <laughs> yes. But I mean, it's, he calls mm. us to do certain things and take certain steps and walk in obedience. Yes. And this is just so, all right, let me find it. Um, let's see. I was talking to um, Father Chris Finley, who it has St. Patrick's uh, Anglican Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And I was asking him, you know, they've started. He was at New Wineskins also. And he's got a group of people that I believe their words were they were voluntold 
to do this. <laughs> yes, right, right. So a couple of them are are in um, are in the classes with me. Uh, Ron yes, Rich are, mm-hmm. and I was asking uh, Father Chris today. You know, what were what were what's his experience? What are their experiences? And he said they're both loving the classes. It's giving them so many tools. He said, uh, Rich has a Bible study group that they're using the contagious disciple making principles in their Bible study. And his words were, it's so natural and so duplicatable. It fits our ethos as Anglicans perfectly. It's just biblical evangelism. That was, that was his words. And he's saying, um, one of them said that contagious disciple making is giving us the formation the church didn't give us in the 80s and 90s, mm. that we've been so focused on making church members for so long, and that we need to focus on making disciples, and that oh, that's he okay. and their church are finding that this is the perfect vehicle to go forward in obedience to Jesus. So, so scripted methods, no, y'all just are, are practically, you've, you have lived it out practically for so many years. You've lived out acts and mm. obedience practically for so many years that we would be, again, insane to not take advantage of what y'all have learned in walking I mean, if we were all walking in like the book of Acts, the world would be completely different. Obviously, we're not. So when Mm -hmm. you find someone that's been doing it and doing it well and seeing results like y'all are seeing all over the world, we'd rather much be insane not to sit up and listen and go, okay, what can we learn? Well, you know, I think that's something that people are not realizing is that when when David first, you know, was trying to reach the Butch Prairie. You know, he didn't sit there and think like, let me pull out my Sunday school material from 20 years ago, or let me look at the the newest book on missions evangelism and stuff like that. He he just took out a Bible and he read it again, reading through and asking God to reveal things to him on how to be able to reach these people. And it's these very same principles that that he would that God was showing him that was the basis for this whole particular, you know, this whole quote method, this whole quote, you know, way of of reaching people. So and that's something we show in the class is that particularly within the first basically half of the class is just what are the biblical bait what is the biblical basis for what we're talking about here uh, that that and the people that truly move on and see that this and see the fruit of movement that see the fruit of disciples that make disciples they're not doing this because they are trying a method they're doing this because they are convinced within their souls that this is how god has showed us how to make disciples and that's what helps them see this and now an obedience way and 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 then also in a whether it's hard or whether it's easy or whether i'm feeling like i'm successful at this second or not you know whether people are wagging their finger in my face going like how dare you tell me blah 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 you know type of thing it's like i you know god has showed me this is what in his word what he wants me to do and i'm going to do it and whether you're talking David Watson or David Parrish or or us as we're we're coaching people around the world, 
you know, all those people that have seen movement, they've they've embraced these things as obedience and not just as a method or a program that they're that they're just trying to see if they can have better results than they had before. And, you know, so I, I love the heart of obedience that you're you're saying here. I think it's important to note from what you're also saying, Darlene, that the variety of people that are embracing this, you know, they've got people who are lay people. Uh, I think you're saying, was his name Ned that you were? Yeah, with? Ned and his wife, Joy, they're they're lay members of the church. So is Pam. She is too. And actually every other person that's involved in this, we have a new pastor and he's very excited about this, but he's only been there since Thanksgiving. So he's been rather swamped and he, mm-hmm. he wants to know more about it, but he hasn't had an opportunity to even think about it yet. But he's been preaching on discipleship. Mm. And disciple making and obedience. So he's been preaching along the lines of what y'all are saying, and he's pointing people to this. Um, it, it's just, yeah, there's a variety of people. Yeah, and that's that's a perfect role for as well for for uh, clergy to play when it comes to this is is to to you know the different sermons or different encouragements and the different prayers being said or all pointing to let's make disciples let's do this together let's be obedient to reaching out to the lost you know so you've got your lay people you've got people such as yourself who are who are uh part of 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 leadership and then also there's uh different parishioners like father finley who are interested in really being able to one of our priests and yes yes he is he is I was so, I'm so excited that he's a part of it, but just because having a priest involved who works with our bishop and our archbishop and a bunch of other priests, he's he's very involved and he's very excited about this because he sees the value in it. And and then he's got a bunch of his parishioners. I'm not sure if any of them are deacons or ordained, but I think a lot of them are just the lay leaders in the church. And and it's just it's just simple. It, it, and that's that's one of the things that when you think about the fact that the kingdom of God is often compared to a wedding feast or inviting people to a table. When I think of a table, there's a there's a place for every person at the table in the kingdom. Uh, no one who wants to be at the table and has, has chosen to follow Christ can will be excluded. And what I love about this is that as you're talking is that there's room for all kinds of people and all kinds of walk at the ta- walks at the table of the kingdom of God. And they're they're all there sitting down with the master. They're sharing stories of what the Lord has done. They're they're you know rejoicing and celebrating. And when we talk about the life that is cultivated in a disciple-making community, as we focus on the mission of fulfilling the Great Commission and the Great Commandments in our own lives, and then together as a community, then uh, it just it it takes it to a whole life to a whole nother level. Uh, it, it it takes that that shadow world and makes it just more real uh, and more vibrant and and everything else. So that's really good. Now now one of the things that's a big part of of movement is prayer. So yes. talk to me. I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience of of prayer and how that's worked in inside your disciple making community inside your church and how that's been involved. 
Yeah, because prayer is an extremely important part of this, both to see, because what we're doing is a spiritual thing. So we have to see God work through what we're doing. So there's that factor, but then also mobilizing prayer, getting other people to pray that, that has, that has so many different benefits and adds so much to it. So tell us so far where, how you, how prayer has uh, played a part in all this. Okay. Well, since I knew nothing, when I got started on this, (laughs) I read the book, like I said, three times, listened to some podcasts and listened to more and more and more. And uh, decided, okay, if you say to do it, we're going to do it. And and so we did. One of your things was making a prayer calendar where you take a piece of paper, you number one to 30, and you write down, y'all said to write down believers, mm-hmm. uh, Christians that we know. And so so we did that. We sat down, the group of us, and even the people that know not part of our, our hardcore four that are doing it, even other people that have come are doing calendars also. Nice. So the girls, I said, you know, I think, I, I don't know, but I said, maybe the girls will just contact girls and guys, you contact guys. And so we made our list and we started going through it. And it's been really amazing because people that we could see on Sunday or maybe not even had talked to in a long time. It wasn't all people at our church. I just, each for me personally, I asked God on each day, who do you want me to who do you want me to write down? And a name would pop in my head and I'd write it down. And honest to goodness, I'd reach out to them by text or email or a few of them I'd call. And they'd say, I can't believe you texted me today. I can't believe you called me today. I really needed prayer. Mm-hmm. Or and then I would type out my prayer or I would pray with them immediately on the phone. Not, oh, I'll pray for you. <laughs> and, you know, that we all we all hear that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Y'all said, no, pray for them right there. Yes. So we pray for them right there. Or if we are texting them, we text them. But the response has been incredible because the people that were maybe not just acquaintances, but friends, it's diving deeper with them. They're sharing their hearts with us and we're praying. And now those people, we've been doing it, I think we're going on our fourth month now. And now those people are saying, well, how can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. And it's been an opportunity. It's like, oh, well, I'm meeting with so-and-so this afternoon. God brought her into my life. Could you please be praying that God would open a door for our conversations to deepen into a spiritual conversation or where she wants to know more about Jesus? And then as God answers that prayer every single time, I go back to that person and I say, I just wanted to thank you for praying. They were really excited. They want, they had questions for me about Jesus today. And we were able to talk about Jesus. Thank you. You had a part in that. Mm-hmm. And I've had a few, I think I have two that want to do their own prayer calendars. So then God expanded this a little bit. So <laughs> in, in our, God laid on my heart, there were very few women in my family, my personal family members that I put on that prayer calendar. And I was thinking, I, I'm going to start a prayer calendar for the women in my family. I actually have 30. I mean, they really did. It fit. There's 30 women and not all of them are believers. And I've started contacting them each day. How can I pray for you? How are you doing? And a few of them are, I can't believe you. Really? Wow. I need prayer for, for this. And it's opened a door, especially for my unbelieving family. Mm -hmm. They're actually giving me prayer requests. 
Mm. And we've had, it's managed to open some of those conversations to spiritual conversations that weren't open before because I'm not preaching at them. I'm not going after them. I'm, I'm caring about them. I'm concerned. And then mm. if it's a sickness, if there, if there's something going on, I get back with them. Hey, how are you doing? And I'm caring. I, I genuinely care. I'm not just putting on a front. I'm not, I'm not a, you can't fake that for too long, you know? <laughs> no, you can't. So I told our group about this and joy um, in the group, uh, Ned's wife, she made one with her neighbors. Now she doesn't have 30. So she like every four days, she said three or four days, she'll call one of her neighbors and say, Hey, I'm praying for you today. You're on my calendar today to pray for, how can I pray for you? Now these aren't, these aren't believers. And she mm-hmm. said, there's some that have come to her with tears in their eyes. They have opened up and they're sharing what they need prayer for. And it's open doors. God's using prayer because we genuinely care. Mm-hmm. Prayer is crucial, critical. You can't do this without prayer because it's not about me. It's not about how good I am at meeting people. Mm-hmm. None of that. None of that is. It's about Jesus. And just being a vessel that he can work through. And if we're not going to the king in prayer, we're we're going unarmed into, into anything. Which what you're describing right there, Darlene, is a genuine heart of love for other people, love for God in the sense of obedience to him and using prayer and, and doing that through prayer to people. A lot of people can do the prayer calendar, but the people that do it and see the most amount of fruit, do it out of that genuine heart. They're not doing this just so that they can get people to just pray for them so they can go and do the things they want to do. It's it's even though it's true, we people do pray for us and God answers their prayers, you know, as believers for us as well. And so that's true. It, we're but it's when we genuinely get into the pool of loving people as Christ wants us to love them. And and also to to mobilize prayer and getting other people to do the same thing that we really genuinely see so much change in that. And so what you just describe is what we call the community uh, calendar. So utilizing the prayer calendar in order to be able to reach those who don't know Jesus, to be able to to love on them and to engage them and to develop relationship with them. And so, you know, I think this is going to be very crucial for anybody who is a part of the church, maybe like in the Anglican communion that have family and uh, that have family and uh, that are either nominally Christian or that aren't Christian. They're like, what do I do in order to be able to reach them? And this could be a great way in order to be able to do that. And prayer is really something that is both, both like I said, extremely relational, but then also it's strategic. And that's something you'll find out you're, like uh, you're, you're just starting our class, but within the last big four, you this prayer calendar is a part of a whole system in which we're we're seeking prayer movement in an area um, to be able to to see God's kingdom erupt. But it does begin and is powered through our seeking God through prayer, and it's so amazing. Um, what what else would you say that you're seeing? Um, well, just on the the prayer piece too. Just one more thing about the prayer. The um, people that struggle to pray. When we say a prayer calendar, mm. it's led some of the people in the church because 
we get comfortable. We live in our little God bubbles and we, we don't do, we don't, we just get too comfortable. Mm-hmm. When you're saying you're praying for one person a day, that is gentle and easy and it draws people. It's drawn at our church. It has drawn more people into deliberate prayer daily. And I'm hearing stories from people that aren't walking with us in this deliberate disciple making thing going, Hey, I've been, I contacted a friend I haven't spoken to in years and said, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And God opened the door. So it's just, it's, it's just do it. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to tell y'all too. One of the things you said was, you know, I, I think you can correct me, but I think you said, if we have the time, everyone should be weekly. If we have a hobby, you know, deliberately doing something with our hobby weekly because God opens doors there with people like I knit. So I've been trying to deliberately go to the knitting, to the store, the yarn store and knit, which I did when we first moved here. And I stopped going because I wasn't really comfortable. They weren't my kind of people. And God's (laughs) like, Darlene, get your fanny over there. And, and, and so he's opened doors there. And each one of us, if we've had a hobby are deliberately going into our hobby to once a week. But the other thing you said was volunteer mm-hmm. somewhere, somehow once a week. So uh, Joy is volunteering at the pregnancy center up here. And she counsels now uh, young abortion, vulnerable girls. Um, so she, uh, she works with them. Ned is doing, um, he's mentoring at the elementary school. And he's also doing something um, with people that are, I think, in abusive. I can't remember the other place he's volunteering. Uh, Pam, I'm not sure what she's doing. I prayed about it. And God has me volunteering at the Women's Enrichment Center here in North Georgia, mm-hmm. which also works with women that are that are pregnant mm-hmm. and maybe need extra stuff, counseling, coaching, um, diapers, formula, um, anything like that. So I'm doing that once a week. Um, and again, I could have stayed home, but you know, we're Christians and we say we're against abortion. Yeah. And we pray, pray God, God end abortion and praise God for the, the things that have happened this past year. But when we have time and we're just very comfortable in our little comfortable lives, when we could get out there and actually give our time to the put feet on our prayers. So that's another thing that y'all said to do. We mm-hmm. said, yes, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And, <laughs> and we're doing it. But again, God's opening doors there. It, it Not only with the people that are coming in, but with the people we're working with. There you go. Praise so, God. Praise God. Uh, it's It's amazing. It's amazing the opportunities and how God uses us when we put ourselves in places where we can be used. You know, if we just sit in our houses and we just look out there and be like, I don't know how that could possibly happen. You know, well, it it can't happen. You just sit in your house, you know, get out there and just be around people, you know, in our hobbies and our volunteering and just going about life. You know, just be around people and intentionally try to talk to them. And you're going to be amazed at how much God uses you to touch people's lives. 
and uh, in that realm. And so, Darlene, it has been so encouraging talking to you about how you and different uh, people around you in your neck of the woods, as we say here in in the South, uh, are just really just embracing this. And um, I I just want to say that you know, that's so encouraging for us. And I think that's going to be an inspiration to a lot of people who are from your background and within your perspective to say that this, this can bring life to my life and to what I'm doing. So, uh, you know, let me just take a step out of my front door and let me take, you know, take up that book and read it. Let me try to read the, you know, how, invite someone to read the Bible with me in this way. And, you know, I think that's going to make a huge difference. You know, what I, what I really like about what we've been hearing uh, is, is an answer to a question I get a, a lot and say, can we see movement in a church or how does this work in a country that has an established church? And, and I think that the testimony that you just gave was that when, when God's people who make up the church, when God's people began to walk forward and obeying the Great Commission and Great Commandments as part of their daily life, not only can it be part of the church, it must be part of the church if we're to have that full life, that kingdom impact that uh, that the Bible promises. I'm so sorry. One more thing. I remembered you saying that church planting now has a different viewpoint than what you've had there. I want to make sure we end wrap around and end on that because you said God put it on my heart to trip plant a church and never thought it what it was. And you thought this was very pivotal for even, you know, some of your Anglican brothers and sisters. So I, I want to let you speak on that. How okay. has that changed your perspective? So I thought it would be, you know, planning a what do you call it, a legacy church? Mm-hmm. Where yes. it may eventually be that, but I didn't see how that would work for me here. But when y'all talked about, we've so often tried to extract people from their groups, from their families and bring them into church, where with this, we're inserting the gospel into their family units and letting God build his church like he did in Acts Mm -hmm. within that community, within that home, instead of jerking them out. So when Mm -hmm. I see planting a church now, I don't think I really, I don't know if I want to say this on a podcast. Well, I probably, <laughs> probably should because God gave me the number. I thought, you know, plant a church. Well, God's given me the number 2000. Oh, wow. Praise God. And, and I, but that, that's going, that's, I don't care. It doesn't have to look just so. It mm-hmm. has to be carry that gospel, that freeing glorious gospel of Jesus into these homes that are so broken, the kingdom breaking into that home, the king showing up and saying, you have freedom. I give you freedom. And then the whole family. So Mm. I see planting churches in this area is carrying the gospel to anybody. God, God puts in my path. So I'm not going to argue with God and then letting his word do the speaking. You you were talking, Rebecca, you were talking about you were reading the Bible with some lady and you just had this urge you had to teach because you knew you you knew. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then you go, nope, nope, I can't, I can't. I'm gonna let the word speak. And then you said the lady goes, Oh, I already know this story. We don't have to read it. And then you said, 
nope, we got to read it. And she started reading the living word of God and she started crying. And God spoke to her through his living word. And that is what I see church as being, carrying the living word of God into these homes. So yes, I believe God is going to use me to plant churches. I'm going to be, I call, I'm the donkey he rides on. I will be the donkey he rides on and I will carry him wherever he wants to go. And, and he can plant the churches. And I believe he, I, I know he will. I know he is. I already see him. We see him moving here and we've only just started. I mean, we, we're barely go a few months. My goodness. I can't wait to see a year from now. Darling, as you're talking, Paul and I are tearing up because this is why we do what we do. Yeah. <laughs> because we desire to see people in our country and the world to have that, that heart and calling for God to take his, his gospel, his word into people's lives and to, to get a vision that's bigger than what they had before, because now there's a way to be able to, to see that and realize that, that God wants that too. And those words of 2000, every, that's not something you came up with. That's not a, no, not it's not, he told you that is nothing, anything. So, you know, when we have been hearing more and more callings of God like that amongst the people that we know. And it, it's just, it's a privilege that Paul and, and I have to walk alongside people like you to be able to help them be able to see that realized in and through their lives, just like Paul and, and his dad were able to, to help other people see um, people see movements in various places in the world. So we, we believe that this is going to happen here in Georgia and in Tennessee and in Texas and in South Carolina and Oregon and California and all across this North America, as well as other places in the world. Well, I can't think of a better place to end talking about the vision of what we think that the Lord is going to do in the United States. And so on that note, I'm Paul Watson. This is Rebecca Ewing, and we've been joined by a Darlene Column. And we're so excited to see what God is going to do with our Anglican brothers and sisters. We're going to work together to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And until next time, go and make disciples. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast. To hear part two, become a supporter on our Patreon page. If you're listening in the CDM app, you can click below or you can find the link in the description. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com or download the Contagious Disciple Making app.